This week on Crime World... There was a Republican police from 1920. I mean, the IRA was effectively trying to run an underground government. And actually, there was a crime wave. 1919-1920, there's a wave of bank robberies, post office robberies, robberies of individuals, robberies of pubs in Dublin and in rural areas as well. So the IRA tried to actually clamp down on that. They, on occasion, solving bank robberies and giving the money back to the banks. Now, I'm Nicola Talent, and you can listen to my podcast, Crime World, wherever you get your podcasts. Remember, you can stay up to date on the latest news with the Irish Independent WhatsApp channel. Today on the Indo-Daily, Netflix and Overkill. Have we reached peak TV streaming and how will the crackdown on account sharing affect you? Netflix this evening saying it's lost some customers faced with more competition now and cracking down on sharing passwords. Netflix now reporting a loss of 200,000 subscribers in the first quarter. For the first time in a decade, Netflix is losing subscribers. There's a number of you know potential explanations in COVID, but then we worry about hanging too much on that. Um, you know, there's more competition than there's ever been. Streaming services have never been more available, whether it's Netflix, Now TV, Disney Plus, Amazon Prime. But is there a dwindling customer base? It represents just what's happening post-pandemic, you know. It was so synonymous with, with sitting in and home confinement that maybe now what we're trying to do is just to put that behind us. We're not switching off. Streaming services have penetrated fewer than half the people who have broadband connections. Almost everybody who yeah. listens to this podcast who subscribes to Netflix now will still be with Netflix in 12 months' time. I'm Fiona Sheen, and who better to join me on this topic than fellow teleedics, Irish Independent feature writer Tanya Sweeney and technology editor of the Irish and Sunday Independent, Adrian Weckler. Netflix, as the pioneer of, of streaming, it became part of our lives. What's behind its popularity? Uh, it's easy. Uh, it's the logical conclusion of everything we should have had since the internet was made. In other words, I want to watch a program or a movie. I want to download it or stream it right now. I don't want to have to drive on a rainy Sunday night to my local ExtraVision. I don't want to have to mess around with a thing called a DVD. Um, I don't want to be limited by choice. I want to be able to download or stream anything I want now and I want to be able to do it as a reasonable price because you don't need shops or stores. That's why Netflix exists. And Tanya, during the pandemic, subscription soared. It became more part of the family, didn't it? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I think in um, in 2020, there was 30 million new subscribers globally to Netflix and 18 million in 2021. So, you know, anything that's happening at the moment seems to, you know, represent a moment of levelling off after that really kind of feverish uh, pandemic um, consumption. But I do remember, you know, during the pandemic, you know, there was really nowhere you could go. I mean, we all remember that. And, you know, there was, there was a sense of, well, you know, Netflix is really going to be the port in the storm here, you know. And... It, you know, I, I just remember a lot of my friends being like, right, well, now is a great time to catch up on everything that we might have missed. Stuff comes on Netflix at, you know, a rate of knots, you know. And I think for the last maybe two years, there was a sense of, well, you know, let's catch up on The Crown, which I haven't seen, or let's catch up on Orange is the New Black, which passed me by the last time, you know. So, so yeah, I mean, it's, 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 um, and perhaps, you know, what's happening around the figures uh, at the moment, you know, um, it represents just what's happening post-pandemic. You know, it was so 
synonymous with with sitting in and home confinement that maybe now what we're trying to do is just to put that behind us in in a post I mean I hate saying post pandemic because we're you know obviously COVID hasn't gone away but in a sense where we're trying to kind of regain our our lives outside the house you know I think there's definitely a sense that we want to put a little bit of our Netflix dependency behind us. Adrian is that why we're switching off? We're not switching off. Okay. What are Netflix saying is happening? Netflix says that its subscriptions are down by 200,000 out of 220 million. It's the first time that they've seen their subscriptions go down. They pulled out of Russia, which cost them 700,000. So if it weren't for pulling out of Russia, they'd be up for fi- of 500,000 for the quarter. Now, they are guiding that they do expect to lose up to 2 million this year, which is closer to... 1% and there are some reasons uh, around that it's mainly to do with competition I think and maybe a subscription overload I have maybe five or six subscriptions including Amazon Prime Video Apple TV Plus uh, Disney Plus by the way if you have a kid who's under the age of 10 and maybe over the age of 2 or 3 Disney Plus isn't really an option you kind of have to have it in the house but they are guiding that they will get hit by plateauing plateauing subscription figures. But if you think of how many people actually watch Netflix, so it's 220 million subscribers, conservatively three or four to one in terms of people who watch it. So that's 800 million. That's people sharing accounts, for example. So that's your ex-girlfriend's brother's girlfriend is watching your Netflix account because you shared your password with her uh, when she was in college three years ago. And your neighbour. And by the way, your mam as well. You moved out 10 years ago, but your mam uses your Netflix account. So all those people are watching Netflix. Um, so there is a plateau. It's not going to grow by 20 or 30 million this year or probably for the next few years. So that's why there's alarm and panic bells. That's why it's lost so much of its share price value. But was there not an inevitability that that, Adrian, that, that, you know, there's only so many people in, in the world who are going to want to buy a particular product. Oh, absolutely. But I mean, the Reed Hastings, the CEO, has pointed out streaming services have penetrated fewer than half the people who have broadband connections. It's not logical to have a broadband connection and not have a streaming service if you watch TV. It's just not logical. I mean, yes, there are people who will only ever want to watch um, the six o'clock news, the odd late, late show, the match. So my, my consumption TV is only news and sport. Linear TV is only news and sport. That's all I watch on linear TV. But it's not logical to have a broadband connection if you watch any movies at all or any TV shows at all and not subscribe to a streaming platform. Tanya, uh, beyond the pandemic, would you associate price sensitivity with any resistance uh, from people to to take up further subscriptions? Well, of course. I mean, this you know we're, we've been hearing an awful lot about a cost of living crisis, you know, and I mean this means that households are reevaluating their outgoings, looking at the the statements and going, God, you know, as Adrian says, I've got you know I've got five subscriptions, they amount to a hundred a week, and they're going to have to start looking at what each one of those brings to the table. Now, the other thing with with Netflix is they brought in a price increase precisely at the time that all these platforms were really gaining momentum, Disney Plus in particular, you know. Um, I think they recently announced 
a price increase of up to 17%. I mean, that means a premium Netflix subscription is now $20.99 a month. Disney Plus is still only $8.99 a month. So when you start looking at these bank statements and going, where am I going to kind of make my snips? Um, you know, Netflix has kind of positioned itself in quite a precarious position there. Adrian, how many streaming sites so do you subscribe to? Uh I'd say seven or eight. So let's take the big ones. Netflix, Disney Plus, Apple TV Plus and Amazon Prime Video. That takes you to around 45-ish, 50 euro a month. Then I have Discovery. Um, I have YouTube Premium. I have one called Mubu, which is an indie film service, which is a tenner a month. So right there, I'm up to about 80, 85 quid a month. And Obviously, why, I'm being paid too much. On. <laughs> why so many? Do you actually have time to watch each of these? No, not at all. The, mainly, uh, well, first of all, I'm in a family household, so we all have different watching habits. Um, there is a FOMO, fear of missing out as well. So if I haven't watched, say, Amazon Prime Video for six weeks or two months, if nobody in the house has, there is still something that nags at me that they may have something. Maybe it's the new season of Picard, Star Trek, that's coming down the line in a month or two. Yes, I could cancel for a month and resubscribe in five weeks. But you know what? That's just too much hassle. And it's costing me eight or nine euro. It's not yet at a level that I would actually go in and do active admin every month on it. Yes, okay, Netflix is 21 euro a month now for the 4K and uh, the, the four screens. But we all watch that so therefore haven't quite gotten to cutting that yet and have you noticed these subscription servers putting up their prices gradually as oh as yeah i mean tanya's dead right um netflix not only did they put it, uh, the prices up this year but if you're on the top tier which is now 21 euro they put that up twice in a 12 month period 31 percent yeah, I'm feeling that now. I mean, you go through the 20 euro barrier and now it's starting to feel like a mobile phone tariff or something. It's getting into, uh, you know, to, to that territory. Disney went up by about a euro about a year ago. Look, to be fair, they are spending an awful lot of money on commissioning budgets. So you, meant, I, you mentioned things like The Crown. <clears throat> you mentioned things like uh, Bridgerton. These are shows that cost a lot of money to make. And overall, do I think it's fair value to pay nine quid or 15 quid a month if I get to see one or two decent movies a month or one decent series a month? Yeah, I do. I think that's a fair value. I, I remember going down, getting extra vision rentals and they would cost like 5.99 or 6.99. Then you'd be two or three days late and you have to pay another 5.99. You'd end up paying 40, 50 euro a month sometimes, you know? For younger listeners, just explain what's extra vision. <laughs> it was a series of these really handy shops around towns and cities in in Ireland where you could go in and do a thing called rent a movie. I was actually one of the first, our family was one of the first to for video rentals in Fibsborough. There was a music shop called Music World and then it became Video World and you had to pay for to for a membership of this thing just so you'd have the luxury of of spending four or five pounds at the time which was a fortune at the time to rent a movie like, you know, Rocky Three for one night. Thank you to uh, Adrian for that extract from Bridget and Eamon. Uh, <laughs> Tanya, what about you? What do you subscribe to? What do you stream? 
Yeah, so I have a bit like Adrian, I've got the, the four bit. Actually, I haven't gotten Apple TV yet, which is interesting because I have Amazon, I have Netflix, I have Disney Plus, and I also have Curzon Home Cinema and Movie like Adrian and Netflix Premium. So again, they all stack up. But, you know, the, the, what happens with the business model is, you know, and this is happening with Apple, you'll find now when the Sharon Horgan comedy drops on Apple in the next year or so, and there's nowhere else you're going to get to see this. People are going to go, you know what, it's only whatever it is. I don't even know, is it eight quid a month or something like that? But it, it's it's one of those things where, as Adrian says, once you start getting to 20 quid, eight or nine euro, you can kind of, you know, justify and, and psychologically go, well, you know, it's the same as a trip to the cinema. So if I watch two things, I'm I'm sort of on, on Amazon, we'll say, I'm almost saving money in a way by not going to the cinema twice, you know. But it, I mean, this is how these work. They will have one kind of thing that you will just have to see. And then you'll go, oh, sure, listen, I'll just get it. And sure, I want to watch Coda anyway. So, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll start watching a few things. I think that's what happened with, with Amazon and me. I started to want to watch um, maybe The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel or Modern Love. And I figured, oh, sure, I'll, I'll watch a lot of that stuff anyway. I don't think I've opened Amazon in, in months, to be honest. Adrian, in terms of this kind of, we're going through this period of the, the golden age of, of streaming sites with Coda winning, winning the Oscar big, Big victory uh, for for Apple mm. uh, in in that regard. Are they spending their money wisely, though? Or are they just throwing millions at at dramas for for the sake of it? For example, the recent Netflix series Anatomy of a Scandal, lavish money being spent uh, on on sets, all star cast: Michelle Dockery, Sienna Miller, Rupert Friend, and yet. You know, not the most spectacular show show you'd ever see. No, look, flops are part and parcel of making TV shows and movies. There is not a studio in the world that doesn't have a massive flops. There's a great book on the making of Heaven's Gate, which at the time was the most expensive movie ever made. It was an absolute uh, flop. I have interviewed Netflix CEO Reed Hastings a couple of times, and he told me one of the most interesting, give me one of the most interesting insights into how and why they commission stuff and why they spend not just millions, it's billions, $16 billion they'll spend this year. I was given out to him about a vampire werewolf series that I'd become addicted to, but was utter crap. And I told him so. And I said, why do you keep churning out this niche stuff, which isn't very good, but is just thematic? And he said, look, what you have to understand is we know that there's half of 1% of people who will watch anything with vampires and werewolves in it. So therefore, we will commission that and we'll spend money on it because even if it's not very good, they weren't the words he used, but that's what he meant. Even if they weren't very good, we know that we'll get millions of people who will have recurring subscriptions because of that. In Tanya's case, Tanya says that she likes uh, high school comedy type uh, movies. That means that there are millions of people like Tanya out there, which means that they're going to make, they're going to spend a billion dollars just on high school uh, comedy movies, because even if they're not brilliant, there is a natural affinity for them. So let, let's move on from Adrian being a fan of Buffy the Vampire Slayer <laughs> for, for a moment. Well, Buffy uh, was actually a really good example. That's not, that's not poor quality at all. Tanya, <laughs> to your point about the pandemic and people getting into to streaming and, and binge watching, let me yeah. push back on you. Normal people, line of duty, Conversations with friends coming up soon. Dairy Girls. Dairy Girls. All one episode dropped a week 
and yeah. still compelling viewing for people. And it was they were water cooler in the absence of a water cooler uh, discussion points for people over the following week. We're going to need a new word for water cooler, really. You're absolutely right. I mean, if you look at Dairy Girls right now, people kind of love the fact that they're getting it on a Tuesday night. They have to sit in on a Tuesday night. And, you know, they're sitting on on Twitter, joining in in that conversation in real time, you know. Um, And I think there's a part of, and you know, also something else that's going on. There seems to be a new appreciation for the legacy kind of media outlets. I mean, look at the kind of love that's being lavished on Channel 4 right now in the face of, of these kind of conservative plans. People are really talking about it as though it's like a national treasure look, you look, know? Look, look, let's be let's be fair here right so I'm all for nostalgia and sentimentality about our legacy TV you know uh, and, and also the one a week one episode a week thing like this is like something like Ryan Turberty would say okay I, people <laughs> I, yes it can create a conversation but if you're given the choice of getting an entire series in one go to regulate your own time no are you really saying don't you don't want so. it I really, and I'll tell you why I don't, because I have watched, say Orange is the New Black, I have stuffed that into my brain and gorged on it and taken, you know, whatever it is, 10 episodes in one day. And it was like a sort of a stealth sport, you know. Then you don't know what happened. You have no idea. You've, the whole thing is over. You have to wait another year, year and a half for the next installment to show up. But is that not your and own issue? You just, well, yeah, I'm obviously some kind of televisual sort of, you know, um, greedy pig. But, you know, I think it happens a lot with people where they're like, I have to get the whole thing done so I can have my take on no, this. I, I, it's not that they have to. It's that they kind of like it. I think there's a reason why well, most of them... I don't know if them... they like it. Well, it's a bit like, you know, sort of, you know, gorging, really gorging, going to McDonald's yeah. and ordering everything and going hell for leather and then going, oh, God, I... You know, what was that? I don't even remember, you know, any of the characters' names. You've, you've, just, just, you've just described my typical Saturday night. But the, the, <laughs> the, the, the reason that Disney Plus in particular drops episode, weekly episodes, and Amazon Prime does it as well with the likes of the Star Trek stuff, because historically, tradition is weird to talk about historically in the last two years, but they have been playing catch up with Netflix. They wanted to keep their subscribers and they thought it was a way to keep their subscribers beyond two or three weeks or four weeks. And that's why, like Disney Plus, for example, will drop an episode of The Mandalorian or the, the Book of Boba Fett and it'll be week by week by week. They're doing it the same with now with Moon Knight. Um, but like the vast majority of content uh, that's produced is actually shown as a series to let people uh, decide when they want to watch. I think most people would prefer it that way. I, I do get your point. It, it, it's not particularly social. And I do get the benefit also of the conversation and going online and, and the sense of event around it. And we, there is something that we do love about that. But I I think we're a bit nostalgic about it. Tanya, what what about this idea of Netflix putting ads on their service for yeah. a cheaper version? Would you go for that? Or do you think that that's just too much like TV? What am I paying for here? Well, exactly. Yeah, I mean, part of the appeal of Netflix is that you can just mainline right into what you want. You hear that little da-dung and off you go, you know. I personally, like, I cannot abide, which is why, like Adrian, I have the, the premium YouTube ads, you know, based algorithmically around what I like, get lost. I hate it, you know. So, I mean, I would I would probably pay more. I'm one of these Egypts who uh, obviously paid way too much uh, by the Irish Independent. But, you know, I, I, I'm happy to pay over the odds 
to, you know, skip ads and all of that stuff. And I know that, you know, um, Reed Hastings has has said it's something he wants to implement. It's something that Disney, I think, are also attempting to implement. So, you know, as a business, why not offer somebody a um, the option? But it's not what I'll be taking, no. What about Netflix clamping down then, Adrian, on password sharing? Yeah. How are they going to do it and how effective will it be? Well, they've already started a trial in a couple of South American countries, countries where they will allow you to pay three euro if you're using someone else's account. By someone else, I mean another household. So not somebody within your family in your house. But if it's a cousin, a neighbour, if it's your mam who lives, you know, in another county, that's actually a different location, different household. They will give that person now the option of paying three euro a month instead of whatever it is, 15 euro, to continue using your account. Now, if that doesn't work, maybe they'll start clamping down by limiting limiting it, for example, by location. I, I don't think that will work because part of the deal with Netflix for me is I get to watch an, op- an episode on the bus or in a hotel or in a cafe uh, on a lunch break. They could do something really simple, though, and say, force a one-time password reset for everyone so that only the account holder, the person with the mobile number or the email address can actually change the account. And that would knock out so many ex-girlfriends and boyfriends uh, and their families (laughs) in one go that uh, I think that might be the most effective way of doing it. And any hacks that people should be aware of at the moment in terms of uh, beating the, the system? Uh, thank you for inviting me into uh, some legal commentary uh, there, Fanon. Um, no, at the moment, you don't need to because there, while Netflix has its terms and conditions, there effectively is no enforcement if you give somebody uh, your password because as far as Netflix is concerned, it's just a different device, a different laptop, different telly, and you're allowed to do that technically. So at the moment, you don't need a workaround. Um I think ultimately, whether it's a you know a Netflix subscription, a, a newspaper subscription, a, a anything else, you know, a Microsoft software subscription, an Adobe subscription, you kind of ultimately will be pushed into playing by the rules. Ultimately, okay, Tanya, we're 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 in belt tightening mode now in the nation. Inflation to continue to rise in the next year. What subscription? You, you need to drop a few subscriptions for me. Oh, Lordy. Right. OK, I'd probably get rid of Curzon Home Cinema because mm-hmm. I've watched everything and uh, maybe Amazon has to go too. OK. And what are you keeping? Oh, I'll keep Disney and Netflix. And you, Rain, hail or shine. You're influenced by the age of your household there, are you? The ages Very of your household. Very much so. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, look, Disney isn't just a load of, you know, Disney princesses and all that. It also has, you know, a ton of reality TV. It has National Geographic and all those kind of, I don't watch any of that um, kind of uh, action fantasy stuff at all, but there's a lot of it there, you know. So uh, in case the mood takes me, I might just hang on to that. Thanks. Yeah. So they're they're the streams that that you're keeping. Adrian, Mm. drop a few for me. I'm going to drop three. I'm going to drop Mubi, Apple TV Plus, and Discovery Plus. Discovery because I've watched all the series of Ice Road Truckers. Movie because I can do without a few months of Belgian 
noir art house uh, films and Apple because I actually don't really watch much on Apple. I'm one of the 1% of people who thought Ted Lasso was cliched, boring and pretty crap. Um, And I I haven't been hugely fond of a lot of the other stuff as well. There's also something instinctive in me where I don't really like being completely trapped in Apple's ecosystem. I already use their watch and their phone. I don't like feeling like a bit of a mark. So it would be those three. So you're sticking with Netflix? Oh, yeah. I mean, look, Netflix is essentially like RTE or the BBC. Over the course of a year, six to 12 months, it's very difficult to avoid cultural inflection points that are not associated with something on Netflix. So Netflix is the primary one. After that, it's, it, the others are also rants. It's a luxury as to which ones you pick. So ultimately, both of you are staying with, with, with Netflix no matter what. Almost everybody who yeah. listens to this podcast who subscribes to Netflix now will still be with Netflix in 12 months' time. And you you think the same, Tanya? Yeah, I, I mean, I think, you know, these are huge figures that Netflix are releasing at the moment. But I think ultimately, you know, rumours of their demise are greatly exaggerated. They're important figures because it does signify a, a, a change in trajectory. But, you know, I, I think they're, they're you know, um, chump change in terms of the bigger picture. And you're not a Buffy fan, you're a Twilight Saga fan, is that right? Who, me? yeah. I mean, if, oh, if neither. Oh my if, God! If no, the two no, of you no, are I, staying in for vampires and werewolves, that's the <laughs> ultimate vampire werewolf show. No, it's well, it's more high school snogs and um, you know Peppa Pig, basically. And many thanks to Tanya Sweeney and Adrian Weckler, both of whom will be sharing their passwords with me after this podcast. I'm Fiona Sheen, and today's Indo Daily was produced by Mary Carroll, researched by Tabitha Monaghan, recorded by Gavin Hennessy, with sound by Graham Davidson. If you enjoy the Indo Daily, don't forget to like, follow and leave us a review.